You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. Your host, Mike Heck. Thank you, Esther Lynn, as we welcome you to a brand new edition of Between the Links right here on MMAfighting.com. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're enjoying the start to the week. We have a lot to discuss, as always, on the program. A lot happening this week, so let's get right into this thing and introduce the combatants first. The challenger, he makes his BTL debut. He's been on the A-side a few times, been on a few shows here on the network. Coffee talk, amongst other things. Let us welcome MMA journalist Ant Walker to the program. Ant, welcome. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I appreciate uh, being able to come on here and, and uh, give Jed this work. So um, <laughs> I'm ready to rock, man. Let's go. And I am excited as well as we introduce the reigning defending BTL champion of the universe. He took the title last week with a it was a hard fought victory for a while until the final question where he just kind of was able to not just steal it. He was able to just like tickle AK and just remove the title from him. He didn't even have to throw any hands or anything from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Jed Mishu, welcome back. How goes it, sir? First I don't know that I've ever tickled AK, so I'd like to set the record straight on that one, just right out of the verbally, gate. Verbally, verbally. I feel like that was a verbal beatdown, much like what's about to happen here. Uh, you know, they say you're not a champion until you defend your title. I'm glad to have a, a legitimate challenger here. I, I greatly respect Ant, but he will fall, all will fall. I am the man, and I intend to re- remain the man. I love the confidence from both sides of the panel here. Let's kick off the festivities this week by talking about the main event of this past Saturday night's UFC Vegas 5 event. Derek Brunson finishes Edmund Shabazian in the third round in a fight that could have possibly been stopped at the end of the second round. But the middleweight division's wonder kid, so to speak, had a good first round, even won it on a judge's card. But then Brunson completely took over in the second and he handed Shabazian his first loss. And you won the blind draw this week. We're going to start with you. Most fighters, like Shabazian, they get the vet lesson at some point in their careers, and Edmund got his on Saturday. Clearly a super talented guy. If you're the UFC, where would you go from with him for his next move following Saturday night? I, I think the only appropriate thing to do is dial him back significantly. Derek Brunson is a steep challenge for anybody. And you look at the, the past victories that Shabazian has, and he didn't have anyone the caliber of Brunson. I was among the people that picked Shabazian to win that fight, um, and, and I think for good reason. But we saw a very different Brunson than we, than we typically see in some of these high-pressure situations. He didn't rush. He didn't lead with his chin. He, he was very methodical. Um, but I think for Shabazian, the best thing to do is take it a step back from somebody who is less experienced or at least hasn't uh, proven to, to be elite. Uh, against the elite. I say give him, if if Uriah Hall doesn't come out victorious against uh, Yoel Romero, give him Uriah Hall. Or I say take the loser of uh, this weekend's Chris Weidman versus Amari, however you pronounce his name. So <laughs> give him the give him the loser of, of one of those two fights. And I think that's an appropriate step back. But I think the first thing Sabazian should be doing, he should be looking elsewhere for his coaching and his training. He doesn't have um, the the same level of accomplishments that Ronda Rousey had at Glendale Fight Club, which understandably will make it more difficult for her to break ties when it was clear that her coaching kind of ran its course. He has the ability at 22 years old to get out to a better camp. Um, if you want to retain uh, Edmund Tavertian as your striking coach, do so, but get a better coaching situation and get out of there 
and expand while the UFC dows it a step back and we can truly see what potential he has. Jed, what do you think? What should be next for Shabazian? And do you agree with Ant on the camp situation as well? Well, if you want to keep Edmund Tavertian as your striking coach, don't do that anyway. I, even if you want to do that's just a bad choice and you should not make that choice because it's going to severely hinder your career. Uh, you know, I, I started this off by saying that I have a lot of respect for Ant and I, I do because he, he made a lot of really good points. Um, you know, I, I could see a Uriah Hall uh, if he loses to Yo Romero being a, an okay setup fight. Uh, I, I wouldn't be against the loser of Akhmedov Weidman either, except for the fact that I think Weidman's going to lose again. And so, Really, I'd be against seeing Weidman fight anymore. Uh, love for him to stop doing this. Uh, but, you know, he, he did that thing that I thought he was going to do. He's reasonable, uh, you know, s- smart, good arguments, and completely wrong. Because we don't need to dial Edmund, Edmund Shabazin back. I mean, we can. That's fine. He's 22. Plenty to grow on there. But – that fight with Brunson was pretty fun. You know, he he looked like maybe he had something building on the first, and he just kind of gassed out. Uh, you could put a lot of that to camp probably, to being young, to maybe the moment got too much for him. But as far as skills, I don't think he was kind of outmatched there. He just – he hit a wall, and he's going to come back and get better than that. I do think you don't want to, you know, let him fail upwards like – I don't know other people do or the man I'm about to tell you. But I think the fight that makes the most sense is Darren Till. And people are going to say, why would Darren Till is is even higher ranked than, than Brunson? But why is he higher ranked than Brunson? Who did Darren Till ever beat? Honestly, like he has wins over Kelvin Gastelum and Steven Thompson, both of which are highly controversial competitive fights. But those are his marquee wins. The other win is Donald Cerrone. That's his other big win. Darren Till has failed upward spectacularly throughout his career because he has a wonderful personality and he has a lot of hallmarks of a good fighter. But I think him versus Shabazian is actually really competitive uh, and it would be a pretty good level set for both of these young prospects. And it'd just be fun. Like the UFC is interested in both guys. Let's throw them at each other. It won't knock out a contender, but it will let somebody kind of build. And I think it's a pretty good competitive fight if you're just looking at the merits of their opposition. Interesting. Like, it doesn't matter what I think on this show. It's about the arguments and everything. I it actually, always matters, Mike. Yeah. I, it, thank you for that. You're buttering me up. I understand what you're trying to do here. But if we're being fair, I actually lean more towards Ant's side. I suggested Eric Anders as a guy. He's probably like a top 20 guy, a guy that can give Edmund some challenges, but a guy that also needs a win. It'll be very motivated to take a fight like Edmund Shabazzian and try to push that hype train a little bit more. But Darren Till is interesting as well. Darren Till gets anybody is really interesting. But let's talk about Brunson here, Jed, because Brunson's been doing this for a while. He looked great on Saturday night. He called for fights with Hermanson. The aforementioned Darren Till, and then he called for the shot at the BMF title, which I thought was the biggest swing and a miss ever. But, you know, the others I'm fine with. Listen, Brunson shooting for the stars. I'm not going to blame him for that, but just never, ever going to happen. But what should be next for Brunson? Would you give him a Till or a Hermanson, or are you looking in a different direction, Jed? Well, I don't know if it's the biggest swing and a miss ever because, I don't know, 30 minutes earlier, (laughs) there was a call out of Nate Diaz that has less chance than the BMF title shot happening. I love Vicente Luque, but he's not fighting Nate Diaz, so that was even more ridiculous than the BMF call out. Uh, Masvidal maybe wants to go to middleweight just for funsies. Uh, I think Brunson is – 
he's been at this a long time, and it's pretty obvious. Jack Manson's free. That's clearly the matchup you make. Uh, the winner of that is next in line for the winner of Costa Adesanya. Uh, I, I mean, I guess that also depends on Whitaker Cannonier. Uh, but, you know, the UFC likes to have multiple contenders in line. I just don't see how you get away from Hermanson at this point. They're both on, uh, you know, pretty good runs here. This is, I think, the best run of Brunson's career if you're just looking at name value and kind of where he's at positionally. So, look, if he gets one more win, he should fight for a title just because it feels like he deserves that opportunity before his career is over. So, I, yeah, give him Hermanson. I think that's where we go. Agree or disagree, Ant? Um, halfway. I, I think uh, the Hermanson fight sounds good, but I also wouldn't mind seeing a rematch with Romero if Romero gets past Uriah Hall. That that sounds like a reasonable thing. And and also, this is to keep Romero out of a title fight. So the more we can delay that, that's fantastic. And, and that probably will go different if they were to, to fight again. So Stop trying to keep the real champion down. Yo, Romero, 2021, <laughs> baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I can't. I can't rock with that. Like, I, I love to watch a Romero fight, but can we keep him away from from anything resembling a title fight right now? Just dial it back. Um, Brunson Romero too sounds like a good place to go for me. I don't hate that idea either. And listen, no, no Romero fighting for titles. He's had enough what, title shots. What about a light heavyweight title? Come on, you can't tell me you don't I, want I to see I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. Uh, okay, I'm with you on that. Uh, yes. I'm on that. <laughs> At 185, at 185, no more title shots for y'all. You want to put him at 205? That'd be great. And if somehow he loses a leg, he could do it at 170. How about that? But middleweight is a. <laughs> I want you all Romero versus Derek Lewis. That's the fight I want. It has to start in the third round, but that's the fight I want to see. Wow. That would be something amazing. Just the promos leading up to that and the media scrums. Man, how great would that be? But be amazing. Middleweight is a is a pretty good time right now. You got a big title fight coming up. You get a number one contender fight on the books between Whitaker and Cannoneer. I like it. Well, I like 185 right now. But at the end of the day, the point is going to go to the challenger, Ant Walker. Very close round. Very close. As we head to our next question. Speaking of Derek Lewis, the UFC is back again on Saturday night with a fight headlined by Derek Lewis and Alexi Olenek. Bellator is back as well with Bellator 243 on Friday night. That is headlined by Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson 2. So my question to Jed Mishu, top to bottom, all things considered, which card is better this weekend, UFC Vegas 6 or Bellator 243? What if instead of choosing, we just picked like a couple of fights on each and made one actually good fight card instead of this like halfway for both? Because... If you're going to put a gun to my head, I guess maybe I'd prefer Bellator just because they've got like three fights that I kind of find interesting, but I, it's still Bellator. Like I, they're good. They're interesting. How much do we really care about pretty washed Benson Henderson versus possibly washed Michael Chandler? I, I don't know, man. Uh, I know that I'm a weirdo, and so the Matt Mitchell Timothy Johnson fight is going to be hysterically funny, and I'm kind of interested in watching that barnyard explosion. Uh, but other than that, I mean, the Bellator card's not great. The problem is the UFC card is very low on name value. I mean, Chris Weidman, the co-main event, quite possibly going to get brutally beaten again, which is just heartbreaking to watch, and that doesn't make anybody feel good. Uh, I do, you know, I will say the UFC does have the Benny Dariush. Uh, um, uh, Scott Holtzman fight. That's 
that's a low key banger. Uh, I really like Benny Darius as a fighter, so I'm, I'm pretty interested in that. But beyond it, it it's just the main event. And again, it, similar to the heavyweight fight at Bellator, is Lewis Alanik a good fight? I mean, technically, they're highly ranked fighters. Is it a hilarious fight? Absolutely. It's my favorite fight of the weekend by far. So I guess ultimately I'll pick the UFC, but it, it's pretty close and neither is great. And what do you think is if you, if you could watch one just based on the cards themselves, are you are you watching Bellator or are you watching the UFC on Saturday? I'll probably go with Bellator because they do have better name value on that card, but it's still not saying much about either offering. But but I think it's more damning toward Bellator because you had to get some you, know, you got like Mitrion versus Timothy Johnson is not high quality by any stretch of the imagination. It but, is just depends on what I you do, mean by quality. Yeah. Well, quality as far as you know, like relevant what kind rankings. Of quality? Yeah, like quality as good far as quality? like, like th- Bad it, it pairs quality? very good with my beer. Yes, <laughs> it pairs excellently <laughs> with my beer. Um, so so I'll enjoy that, but I, I can't quite get behind. Uh, I don't know. This is this Bellator tried this time. <laughs> they tried, and it still is comparable to the UFC not trying. And this is this is sort of a, a problem with with the the roster disparity for these organizations. And I think this is what it highlights more than anything else. But gun to my head, and I can only watch one. I'm probably gonna watch Bellator. I, you know, to have um, Chandler Henderson, which could still be good despite both of them being well past their primes. Mitrion Timothy Johnson is the poor man's uh, Lewis Olenek. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, Curtis Melinda's always fun. Miles Jury is is a fun guy to watch. So. I, I'm okay. AJ Agazarm, I, I like watching him fight. Um, and I really like watching Valerie Laredo fight. So there we go. Can we put that on Bellator's tombstone whenever they die? They tried. They they tried. <laughs> it's like <eight laughs> for effort. They they gave it a shot. So last week, last week on the show, Jed sold Wolf tickets so hard on Ed Herman versus Gerald Mearshart. That like low key. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That low key, like just crazy wild fight of the weekend. And, and, and by like Thursday or Friday, Jed, I was with you. Yeah, was so because it was going to be Ed awesome. Gerald then it got it was off on Saturday. So, and we we mentioned a couple of fights. We mentioned like Lewis Olenek is kind of funny if you really think about it. And Mitrion versus Johnson is the kind of the poor man's version of that, as you stated. What is sort of the Ed Herman versus Gerald Mearshart madness fight that you, you have circled for this weekend outside of those two that have already been mentioned? Ooh, um, I mean, Tim Means fighting is always something weird going to happen. Tim Means always has has some sort of some sort of trickery going on there. So that'll be that'll be the first thing I, I pick. Um Yana Kuniskaya also finds herself in in some strange fights a, as of late. So one of those two fights, I'm sure something bizarre is going to happen. We'll see gifts and we'll have a lot of hot takes on Twitter. So I'm I'm there for it. Jed, I cannot wait to see how deep you dig to 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 find something like Mirshard Herman here. What do you got? One, I am offended that you said I sold wolf tickets. I did not. I sold true and valuable tickets to what would have been an awesome absurd middleweight fight at 205 uh but the mma gods just killed that entire fight card this past weekend that's not my fault if you wanted to say that i was wrong in talking about the venata bobby green fight hand up i thought that fight might be boring because bobby green has a tendency to do that super wrong but i was totally right that fight would have been awesome i hope they book ed herman real soon 
Um, as far as a deep cut on this fight, there aren't a lot of like great deep cuts. I agree with Ant. Tim Means usually gets into some weirdness. Uh, it, it's tough for me to think, except for saying the one that, that's going to hurt me. The co-main event it is going to be an awful fight because Chris Weidman is going to be winning before he loses in such a comically bad way. And it, it, it's just his MO now. Like that's, that's just what he's done for the last X amount of years of his career is he gets your hopes up. He looks good. You think, yeah, that's why this guy is a middleweight champion. And then he just finds a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And he's going to do it against Amar Akhmedov because it's just what he does. I, I think that's going to be the weirdest thing that happens this card. And it's maybe not as fun as Lewis Alenic, which is, I still think that's going to be the funniest thing ever to watch Alexi Alenic try to backpack Derek Lewis. And Derek Lewis is just going to stand up. And I'm like, nope, I just stand up. It's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, give me the co-main event because it's going to be a super weird comeback KO. I said wolf tickets because I wanted to see how angry Jed would get. I got really mad. The arms like were shaking as they were extending from his left to his right. But uh, if this weekend is anything like last weekend, buckle up because this could be very entertaining in a lot of different ways, much like this matchup so far on BTL. The point goes to the champion, Jed Mishu, ties it up. As we head to our next question, we have three big title fights coming up for the UFC in the next few months. All right, so let's start with next Saturday. We have UFC 252, Steepy Miacic versus Daniel Cormier. The trilogy for the heavyweight title, DC's final fight. Next month, UFC 253 got Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa for the 185 pound title. And then on October 24th, for the lightweight title, we have Habib Nurmagomedov fighting Justin Gaethje. All three of these fights absolutely rule. They are awesome. But I ask you, Ant Walker, what's the best of the bunch here? Like from a competitive standpoint, which of these three title fights is the best fight? Oh man, I'm I'm gonna start by um, putting the X's on the fights that I'm not gonna pick. Izzy versus Costa. I, I think Izzy is going to wash Costa. Uh, Costa, from a skill standpoint, has not shown me anything that makes me think he's gonna be able to handle uh, Izzy's very sophisticated level of offense. Khabib versus Gaethje, as great of a fight as that is, we also have the danger of running into, oh, we're hyped for uh, someone to expose Khabib, and then they don't, and Khabib does exactly what he always does to everybody. That That's kind of the sense I'm getting from this fight, even though Gaethje probably on paper has the best chance of beating him. But Stipe versus DC has twice proven to be competitive back and forth fights. Um, so why wouldn't it be for a third time with more at stake? Not only the heavyweight title, but the the title of the greatest heavyweight of all time is going to be on the line for this. How do they Fedor, not have a competitive fight? Fedor's career went away. I mean, I mean, we we let's let's not poke holes in Fedor's career right now because that's just way too easy. We don't even want to go down that path, my man. You know that. Um, <laughs> so don't don't make me slander Fedor here. <laughs> but but Stipe versus DC has proven twice to be competitive, even when DC knocked him out in the first round um, in, in their in their first fight. Sipe was definitely landing some good shots. It was it was a very, very tense fight until it wasn't um, for the second fight, which I was privileged to be 30 feet away from uh, sitting at press row. DC was handling Sipe quite easily until he wasn't. And Sipe started gaining momentum. And next thing you know, DC's on the floor suffering a knockout loss. So you have two knockouts from either gentleman. Why wouldn't the third 
fight uh, exceed uh, expectations when you have so much on, on the line here. Stipe versus DC is the most competitive out of those three fights. Jed, what do you think? Well, one, Ant, I do want you to slander Fedor because if we go to uh, extra innings here, then that's going to weigh on Casey's mind when he's making the choice. I, I know how to play to my audience here. Uh, uh, you know, again, solid arguments by Ant, uh, but just dead wrong. Um, he's right on the Khabib Gaethje thing. Uh, that I'm not picking that uh, because, frankly, that fight's not going to be competitive. It, Either way it goes, that, that's an either-or fight. Either Khabib can get the takedowns, and then we've seen that story 28 times before, uh, or he can't, and then he's just going to get knocked out. Uh, it, the fight's not going to be a back-and-forth banger. It's it's one-way traffic either way, and I'm fairly confident that one-way traffic is Khabib. Gaethje is a very pedigreed wrestler, and I don't think that's going to matter one whit. Uh, as far as the second choice, I mean, I, I get what Ant's saying about Stipe uh, and, and DC3. They have been pretty competitive fights. You know, I think Stipe was probably winning the first round until he got colded um, in, the, in their first fight. And then in the second one, obviously, DC was doing very well. And as Ant said, Stipe made some adjustments and came back strong. I just don't think this third one's going to be that competitive because I I guess I'm a Stipe Miocic hater. I, I don't know. I, I think he's a good fighter. I think he is probably more the beneficiary of really good timing for the heavyweight division. And the fact that like the best heavyweights in the world during his like peak peak years, one was competing at light heavyweight because his training partner was perma injured in the heavyweight division. And so Stipe is kind of just snuck in there. I think he's a good fighter, uh, full credit to him for making the adjustment, attacking the body in the rematch. But I think in the trilogy, Cormier is fighting for his legacy. He is going to wrestle the pants off Stipe and there's nothing Stipe can do about it. Um, and so I, I just don't think that fight's going to end up being that competitive I'll, you know, even though the other ones have been, I also get what he's what uh, Ant's saying about Izzy versus Costa, but I think that's the most competitive fight. I think uh, Costa presents the most discernible challenge for me at middleweight for Izzy right now. Not because I think he's going to win. I think Izzy probably still gets that gets the work done and you know handles his business. But you know Izzy had such an easy time with with Bobby Knuckles because. Robert Whitaker is not a great pressure fighter. He's a blitzer. He just charges in errantly swinging and he got countered left, right, and center. Paulo Costa, he does some of that as well, but he's much better with pressure. I know it's a long time ago in his history, but uh, Adesanya did have trouble with Marvin Vittori when Marvin Vittori was just like, all right, I'm just going to get in your face as much as I possibly can. Kelvin Gastelum had success just kind of getting in and throwing hands. And I think Costa is probably going to eat more shots than he lands but he's going to make it a dogfight by just coming forward and throwing them thanks. And he'll work the body. If he doesn't get too stuck on head hunting because of all the trash he's talked beforehand, I think he's going to have a better chance. I think that fight's just going to be a banger. Like it's going to be back and forth. You're going to see the championship quality that Izzy has. And so that's the fight I'm most looking forward to from an actual competitive standpoint. I think it's the closest one. All right, Jed, let me go back to you because the rumor has it and nothing's been confirmed by the UFC as of yet but they're going to do two pay-per-views in October. That's what we're here on October 24th. And like two weeks before they're going to do another one. So we got the heavyweight title fight booked. We got the middleweight title fight booked. We got Habib versus Gaethje on the 24th. Now we have to book a main event for this first pay-per-view card in October. And we have some champions that are out there. And we also have to sort of balance the fact that we want these folks to buy two pay-per-views, spend $65, not once, but twice. You know, most of these people are going to buy Habib versus Gaethje. That's such a massive fight. 
what would you have headline with what's remaining and available that first pay-per-view in October? Uh, I mean, there, if you're trying to look for a headliner, you're looking for a championship fight and there are only a couple of those available. Like I think it'd be ridiculous, but I'm, I'm in on Volkanovski Cejudo, but I think that's too quick a timeline probably for, for Volkanovski. He's, he said he wants to be something closer to end of the year. Um, I, I think the answer is a, a topic we're going to discuss later. I think you do Davis and Figueredo uh, defending his belt, and I think you do Cody Garbrandt. I, I think that fight makes sense. I know we're going to get. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but uh, I think that is probably a pretty good one. Unless you just want to do the Peter Jan versus, I would think Aljamain Sterling, but God knows what Dane is doing at this point. Maybe it's me for the bantamweight title since he won't give it to Aljo. Who can say? What would you do, Ant? I mean, we got we got some options. And listen, if you can persuade Mazadal or or Connor, I don't think Connor's going to be the guy, but maybe a Mazadal could could be up for it if you pay him right. What would you headline this first card with? Um, I, I'd probably go with the Jan Aljo fight. Um, maybe maybe you double stack that with uh, Shevchenko versus um, uh, Jennifer Maya, something like that. Uh, that would probably be my my top choices in, in that. I mean, I think both of those fights aren't necessarily strong enough on their own to really sell a pay-per-view. But if you can package them together, it, it might uh, lead somebody to go ahead and click that buy button uh, at, at the last second where they otherwise wouldn't have. Mike, am I allowed to be creative? I know the UFC is firmly against creativity, but uh, <laughs> if if I had my actual druthers, what I would choose is – Valentina Shevchenko versus the top five flyweights back to back one night. <laughs> That's the entire main card. You give her a 10 minute break in between hand and she's going to work them all and it would be awesome. So that's my real choice. I just know that won't happen because the UFC is anti-fun. MMA digs town. <laughs> yes. No love for Alex K. Lee's fighter of the year, Kamara Usman, defending against <laughs> Gilbert Burns. <laughs> that that, that might have got a shot here, but uh, it is what it is. Ant Walker gets the point. He is up two to one. What a battle this has been. We could go like 10 rounds of this. But uh, as, as Jed alluded to, speaking of title fights, there are talks that Cody Garbrandt is looking to move to 125 and could possibly get right into a, a championship opportunity. And it's funny because on this program, just a few weeks back, we talked about how exciting 125 was getting, having a new champion and having arguably three guys who could all fight Figueiredo next in Brandon Moreno, Alex Perez, and Asker Askarov. Now we have Garbrandt in the discussion. So, and we're gonna start with you here. This has been met with sort of mixed feelings. Like sometimes when a fighter goes down, we're like, all right, this is pretty cool. I kind of want to see what happens with Garbrandt. It's been kind of like 50-50. So how do you feel about Cody being likely the front runner here when he's gotten some momentum back at 35? I, I don't like it. I, I, I really don't like it for, for multiple reasons. One of those reasons is not that, that Cody Garbrandt can't make 125. Out of the flyweights that I've met and interviewed and stood in front of and, and everything, um, Garbrandt seems to fit size wise that same bill like i would i would i think cejudo was a bigger person than garbrand at least like muscle wise and whatnot so i, I think he could make that cut without much difficulty but i, I still don't want to see it i mean how we just got finished watching cody get dusted early in three fights he gets one good win i mean one sensational win a ko of the year candidate for sure but are we ready for him to lose 10 pounds and then fight another power striker? I, 
Yeah. No, nah, fam. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And how about this? How about we let the flyweights just be the flyweights for a second here? We were just like just uh, weeks ago. We're wondering whether the division was still going to exist because of uh, the Figueroa and, and Benavidez first fight, the 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 uh, the miss um, on, on the scales. And before that was like, OK, well, Cejudo's not coming back. Who's going to fight? Is this title even worth keeping? We were just on the brink of this division going away. And now the division is back. We have a guy who could be a, a bona fide star and has the fight style that makes sense to to push a, a, a promotional um, wise in this division. Oh, so let's bring a bantamweight down to fight him. Who's a star that we were trying to push in that division? It doesn't make any sense. Let the flyweights be the flyweights. 125ers fight 125ers, and then we can start the super fight talk. But let's not start super fight talk with fights that aren't super fights in a division that just almost went away a blink of an eye ago. I do not like this one bit. Jed, why do I have the feeling this is going to be Ant makes a lot of great points, but no, he dot, makes dot, none dot, this kind of time. Thing. <laughs> no, he makes no good points this time. Uh, this is super. This isn't a super fight. It's a one twenty five fight. Uh, like if he drops the weight, he's not a champion. He's a former guy dropping down. You know that that had that's happened all the time. And Ant just straight up, I damn sure watch Cody Garbrandt fight another power striker. I would love to see Cody Garbrandt get into a right hook competition with Davison Figueredo. How who doesn't want to see that? The ending will be fun, regardless of who who gets there first. It will be enjoyable. And you know, when you say, "Hey, let's let the 125ers cook," they've got a new champion who could be a star. This is how you make him a star. God love Brandon Moreno. He's a fun fighter. Four people in the world know him, and three of those people are on this call right now. Like, no one's going to know if Davis and Figueredo works him over. Uh, Askar Askatov, same, same thing here. But Cody Garbrandt was a former champion. He got a big push. The UFC is really invested in him. And 135 is a logjam right now, man. Like, do we really want to see Cody Garbrandt, like, fight? I don't know, a grudge match against somebody and then maybe get a title shot ahead of some other people. There are a ton of bangers going at 135 right now. Let's let Bantamweight cook. Let's let Peter Yan and Aljo and all those just figure out where they resolve. And meanwhile, Cody Garbrandt, who's finally back in the winning column, can go try and get another belt and can make 125 and the champion there who is an exciting banger of a fighter. Like, Either way, the outcome's great. The UFC either gets a champion that they've wanted to be a champion for a long time and already developed and pushed into to now spearhead a division that they kind of hate. Maybe they'll start giving it a little more love with Cody, uh, you know, heating those reins. Or Davison Figueredo gets a huge scalp. Now he's a guy they can push because Joe Rogan can start screaming about, man, Davison Figueredo knocked out Cody Garbrandt. This guy was a bantamweight champion. Plus, again, you're just lying if you don't want to see Cody throw right hooks with somebody until somebody falls down. I would love to watch that again. I'll watch that every weekend if they give me the choice. 100% that's the fight to make. It's the one I want to see. What if Davis and Jed, what if he does go out there and just starch Garbrand? Like goes out he there, also, they throw right hooks, starches Garbrand. Like what if he knocks him out, which is very, very possible. Like is this the end of Cody Garbrand? Is this the best case scenario for the UFC? Like going down to 25, getting beat and getting starched or finished by the flyweight champion as the former 35-pound champion? Is the juice worth the squeeze for all involved in the long term here? 
Yeah, I mean, he's if he was currently the Bantamweight champion, there's a risk there, but he's not. He's the fifth-ranked Bantamweight contender. Like, yeah, he probably can stick around Bantamweight and get another title shot. Like, he's got a lot of talent. But, again, that division's a shark tank right now. So why add one more to the mix here? Let them suss it out. He can come back up later. If he does get knocked out, it's not the end of Cody Garbrandt's career. Like, oh, I tried dropping 125. Swung and I missed, you know, the weight cut affected me. You can sell it. He goes back up, beats a top 10 Bantamweight if he can. And then if he wins, he's got the belt. Like I see it as pure upside. Even Cody getting knocked out is just not that bad an outcome for the UFC because they're risking so little. Like he's not getting a title shot tomorrow at Bantamweight. How about this? How about we we let Garbrandt drop to 125, but he doesn't jump right into a title shot. Let him take a flyweight fight. And just test the waters. Make sure he can make the weight. Make sure that he's comfortable there. Make sure that his chin could possibly hold up being dehydrated. And then his chin can't gets- hold up being hydrated. Of course it can't hold up being dehydrated. <laughs> well, We're exactly. not here to be reasonable, Ant. Because if you give him another fight, <laughs> he might lose to like Askar Askarov. And then no one's going to hey, care. Well, if, if he loses Figueredo. to Askar Askarov, now you have a good challenger for Figueroa. Now you got a guy you can sell. So the same thing works. If he loses to, to Figueroa and Garbrandt uh, now builds a star off of a loss, he can do that with a contender. Now you no. have a title fight that people want to see in flyweight. As Thank you for making my point, Jed. That's diminishing returns, though. If he loses to Askarov, Askarov gets some level of kick because of Garbrandt. But then if Askarov goes and loses to Figueredo, well, Figueredo's not really getting an extra juice from that. you got to go direct. The transitive property doesn't work for star building. It's got to be so, one after the other. So Joe Rogan's not going to scream that Ask- Askarov knocked out? Cody Garbrandt. Joe Rogan's going to scream anything. Joe Rogan would have screamed about Ed, Ed Herman, Gerald Mearshart. The man only knows one way to talk. Hey, you were screaming about uh, Gerald Mearshart and Ed because Herman. Because it's so. a fight that deserves <laughs> to be screamed about. It's a good fight. Yeah, let me let me back to you. I, I maybe it's just me because I'm a storyline guy, but I I think there's more juice in the Cody Garbrandt resurgence. Cody Garbrandt 2.0 story at 35. Like he's got, uh, he's got some momentum here. If he were to, if he were to fight like Marlon Marais in October and beat Marlon Marais, he's getting another title shot. Like they they want to fast track him back there. It doesn't matter if he got starts three times in a row, four times in a row, five times in a row. If he goes out there and wins two in a row, he's probably getting a title shot and skipping over people that deserve it more than him. That's a remarkable story to me. Is that better than dropping to 25 and being like a two division champion or I mean, what do you do here? I mean, obviously, like he wants to it's it feels kind of cheap to me. Let's let me just throw that out there. It feels kind of cheap to me. Him going down, getting a media title shot. I don't think I think his career gets a much better jump if he wins another fight, wins the title at 35. This would be like, holy shit. This guy just got knocked out three times in a row. And now he's the champion again. This is amazing. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, man. And I think, too, you have such an injection of star power in the Bantamweight division. Garbrandt fits so perfectly in that mix. Frankie Edgar is about to make his Bantamweight debut. You mean you wouldn't want to see Frankie Edgar versus Cody Garbrandt? I, I don't want to see Cap. Frankie Edgar get killed. Cap. Cap. I, I just don't you, want you don't to know see what Frankie Cap Edgar get killed. I have no idea. Do I look like a man who knows what that means? <laughs> I just really? know, I know what it means if you put Frankie Edgar in a cage with Cody Garbrandt. And it doesn't mean good things for mine or your or anybody's feelings. It's it's just going to be sad. We don't need to watch that. Well, unfortunately, they're like 
friends and teammates now. So I don't know if that fight even happens at this oh, point. Oh yeah, anyways, so he's with but, Mark Henry now. So I mean, but still, I, that's another thing I want to add to Mark Henry's coaching on Cody Garbrandt. I want to see this play out the way it should. I don't want to throw him in. In, in spots where he doesn't belong just yet. Let I want to see this version of Cody Garbrandt really expand at Bantamweight, and then we can go from there. He's a small guy. He'll probably be able to make 125 for most of his career, whatever's left of it. See, that seems insane to me. Like, you should want to go now when you're young because it's going to be a lot harder, and it'll be a lot worse if he tries to do it after he gets knocked out, like, four more times to then cut to 125 yeah but that's that's the mma that's that's the mma you know that that, that's just just regular you know you you, mma you you washed up let's go drop a weight class that's what they do it's all right yeah and it's that's the thing we don't we don't he could just do it right now and then guess what guys if he beats davis and figueredo let me just tell you He's not going to defend the flyweight strap against Askar Askarov. He's just going to immediately fight for the Bantamweight title. So you can still get the good Bantamweight title fight, but you also get a good flyweight title fight. and The destruction look, of the division. We're Again. All, the division has been destroyed for years at this point. It's we're still all clinging here. on by life. Let's go ahead and, and put him, the little right, filter on the champion. Team. A, and, and a let's, champion let's the run. UFC wants will let them cling on to that more. A champion that they don't want is just going to be like, all right, well, we'll keep booking Davison against Brandon Moreno, but uh, this is getting 4,000 pay-per-view buys, so – I guess but, we're just going to let it go, man. Well, they, like, they use it like DJ, where you, where you could put him as a co-main to, to a bigger fight or as a title fight on a fight night card. So there is value in having the champion that isn't necessarily the biggest draw all the time. Or if you get Garbrandt, but if you get Garbrandt as a champion, then they can just make, you know, $200,000 pay-per-view buys with him as the lead. I don't – you guys are just anti-fun right now. What? How is this – this is such an anti-fun just talk. I don't understand it. Honestly, <laughs> the most fun outcome is Cody Garbrandt swinging bolos with Davison Figueredo. <laughs> Come on. You're a mis- misguided man, Jed. Misguided. I like what I like. And I think everyone just <laughs> likes the duck right hand, duck right hand until one man goes boom. Hey, hey Jed, can you do that motion one more time? That's it. That's the motion. That's it. How can I not not give Jed the point? I don't even care what you said. How can I not give you the point? Plus, I got to say, I have to hear. This can't stop now. I have to hear what happens with one more. So So you're giving him the point. You're giving him the point, uh, essentially, that belongs to me because you're entertained. All right. So, Jed, just to let you know, this is now I'm playing with house money, just so you know that. Continue. I mean, results are results. I don't care if it's a bad split decision (laughs) if I keep the title. That's the history the fact, books the that will that tell I, the tale. The fact Mike that I like Adelaide Bird hated, heck. <laughs> Oh God. The fact that I hated that fight when this started, and now I'm like, I hate it a little bit less because because Jed said swinging bolos and started ducking his head and doing the thriller dance makes me want to hear more. So that's what we're gonna do here. Nobody takes this fucking show seriously, anyways. But we're gonna head to the knockout round. One question, and I can't wait to hear what both of you have to say about this. But 60 seconds. Each to answer this question. Neither of them have any idea what it is. And after both competitors answer, we're going to go to the truck and we're going to check in with Judge E. Casey Lydon to render the final decision. Jed, since you are the champion, do you want to receive and go first or kick it off to Ant? 
Well, you know, I was going to be a, a gentleman and go first. However, you've you've already given Ant three of the four prompts to lead off on. So let's just give him a fifth one. Let's do it. And your your turn, sir. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yes, I think it's just falling apart. But OK, so Ant, on, on September 12th, the year of our Lord, 2020, we're going to have ourselves we're going to have ourselves a boxing event headlined by an eight round exhibition fight between Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., two of the greatest of all time, two former world champions, $50 price tag. So my question to you, Ann, is to give a rating, a number between one and 10 of your excitement level for Tyson v. Jones Jr. for this fight, this event, and explain why. We're going to put 60 seconds on the clock, which it's already there, and go. All right, so allow me to tap into my inner uh, Jed Mishu here. Uh, but I'm going to rate this. I'm excited on an eight out of a one, one to ten because this is going to be a sloppy calamity. This is going to be so horribly bad, yet completely gratifying to every sick sensibility that I've ever had. Every sort of childhood trauma that I've deeply internalized and have not emotionally dealt with and it's impacted my life and my relationships. This is the moment where it all comes to a head. This is going to be an absolute ridiculous slot fest, okay? Um, if you think uh, anybody at the CSAC, if you think that you can ban them from knocking each other out, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Somebody is gonna lose years off their life. Someone is gonna lose consciousness. I'm gonna feel very dirty when it's over with, but I'm so gonna watch it with a smile on my face, uh, perhaps a beer at my hand if, if I'm not sitting at press row for it. Man, I, I feel like this is the best matchup we have had on Between the Links because we have two totally differing opinions on like every single question we've had. Does it continue here, Jed Mishu? One to 10, how excited are you for Tyson versus Jones Jr.? Because a part of me thinks this is right up your alley, but then there's like the other side of me who thinks this is just the worst thing ever. 60 seconds on the clock, go. Of course it's up my alley because it's also not up my alley. I'm... I, I contain multitudes, Mike. Thank you very much. Uh, Ant really took my thunder. I did not think he was going to respond to this with such enthusiasm. Uh, and in law school, they teach you that if you have the facts, argue the facts. If you have the law, argue the law. And if you have neither, just pound your hand on the table and get really excited. And so that's what I'm going to do because this fight is terrible and I am friggin' here for it. Ant is absolutely correct. You can't stop these men from knocking each other out. Technically, they banned biting in boxing, and we saw that that doesn't really affect people either. So this is going to be a barnyard explosion of excitement and delight. It is going to cost $50 that I will happily give them. I will enjoy it with not just one beer, but probably many, and I'm going to make a terrible fool of myself. Uh, it's probably my favorite fight since Kimbo Dada 3000. That's that's really all I have to say. It's it is the Kimbo Dada of boxing, and that's the best MMA fight of all time. So how is this not miraculous? God, uh, I end the show with tears in my eyes after those two answers because they were both brilliant. Casey, last week was easy for you. All right, this this is gonna be tough for you. This probably sucks to be you. So we go to the judge. We go to the truck. Casey Lydon, decision to be made. Who is the champ? Casey, remember, Ant hates Fedor. Casey, remember, I live like 15 minutes from you. <laughs> and hates Fedor. <laughs> wow.
Well, we have Anti-Fedor over here. We have Enthusiasm of Jed. I really enjoyed the Enthusiasm. Oh, boy. You know... When you, when you when you when you when you made the comparison to Kimbo versus Dada 5K, uh, I think that put it over the top. So I'm at the go of and still, damn oh, issue. Yeah. I knew it, Casey. I want to be clear. I 100% knew that that was gonna trick you. <laughs> I knew you said it too because of I, me. I you like, knew what I like. Uh, the thing hey, is, Casey. I actually believed that, but I also knew that you were with me and loving that fight. <laughs> Hey, hey, I've sparred you. You got about 30 seconds of good cardio. <laughs> He's the Edmund Shabazian of, of South California. Woo! Jeez oh, Louise. Wow, despite having like very few positive things to say today, Jed Mashu is still the champion. And with that, no money, no titles. You get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA. Hey, look, a win's a win, and if you have to win ugly, uh, I'll take it. And sometimes that means not arguing the facts, but just being louder than the other guy. I had an advantage. Ant has a, a sleeping child in his house, and I, I was I was boisterous where he cannot be. Well fought, but I am now a true champion having defended my title. And again, I'm a fighting champion. I take on all comers. So next week, bring it on. Wow, and Ant, I'm going to give you some time as well. That was my favorite episode thus far between the two of you guys. I think it was the best matched fight or competitive competition here on Between the Links history. No doubt about that. This is better than Jed and AK in the battle of good versus evil. This is just some good shatter. And what do you, what do you want to say? The floor is yours. I, I, I do want to say that despite my Fedor slander on this show, I won this this show under pride rules. So let, let, let that be known. <laughs> Um, uh, Jed, Jed was a great competitor, but he, he's going to have nightmares about me now. I'm coming. I'm coming for the crown. And let and Jose, you can get this work, too. Just let you know that. <laughs> that friendly hair ain't going to save you forever, buddy. There are people lining up that want to take on Jose. I love that. Aaron Bronsetter is another one that people want to line up and take on, too. Oh, so Aaron Jed, can get this work, too. <laughs> Jed, do you have a call? Is there anybody you want to go up against? Or is this uh, you, John Cena as the U.S. champion just calling out anybody who comes through the curtain here? Champions don't call out people. That that is why. Who am I calling out? I'll call out Conor McGregor. Get him on here. And I'll <laughs> give him the business. But other than that, no. Like what? You come at me. I'm the king. Come at the king. And if you come at the king, you best not miss. And very close, but you did miss. Oh. Paper champ. All right. So listen, media members, if you watch the show and you want to call out Jed, I'm sure it's going to have to be some sort of a special call out here. Maybe you talk about how much you dislike Fedor or think he's overrated. Whatever you think, whatever can ring Jed's bells, go ahead and do so and we'll, we'll share it and go crazy with it because we get to find opponents and Ant's definitely coming back on this program. Open door for you, sir. But this is fun. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Casey Lydon for judging and producing. Big shout out to Esther Lynn on the graphics it's in the intro. For Ant Walker, Jed Mishu, our champion, I am Mike Heck. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back once again next week. Between the Links. Love you guys. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.